and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves it the most, Luke Throop here on another fine, fabulous, fantastic, philosophical sort of Friday for Torture Port 533, The Secrets of Discernment and Learning to Trust Yourself. Friends, uh, modern political chaos is obviously a major problem. I contend that it is best met with wise and timeless solutions. So let's just start out with the open-ended question. Who do you trust? That's, I think, maybe the most difficult thing to do in the age of weaponized artificial intelligence and TMI, too much information. It's difficult to decide what to believe, who to believe, and all of that. And in a perfect world, of course, uh, per personal discernment would be the determining factor on that. However, Given that discernment has been intentionally undermined by the carefully constructed mental illusions we were discussing yesterday, <laughs> it seems like uh, the majority of people no longer trust themselves. They no longer trust their own ability to discern, to learn, and know the truth for themselves. This, to me, is the real crisis of trust. This is also why the globalists are so busy deploying their whole of government strategies to rebuild trust so that they can once again assert their quote-unquote collective agency over the whole of society. Friends, if an individual no longer trusts themselves, who do they turn to, do you think? Do they turn to the media? Do they turn to the experts? Do they turn to the science? How about the government? Who do they trust? Now, considering this at scale, I think the answer is all of the above. Some people trust the media, some people trust the experts, the science, some people do trust the government. But what a vast majority of citizens fail to realize is that beneath and behind the media, the experts, the science, and the government is the same group of global ruling class elites, aka the secret global cabal. Thus, in effect, the majority of people are perhaps unintentionally choosing to trust the secret group of behind-the-scenes globalists who are literally licking their chops at the prospect of pulling off the greatest swindle in human history, that swindle being convincing the peasants to trust their masters. The masters feign to help the peasants sort through the madness, cooking up deceitful authoritative-sounding solutions such as the Trusted News Initiative, and they deploy their worldwide army of basement-dwelling facts checkers who skillfully con the masses into accepting their twisted and distorted version of the truth. Friends, as you know, you know, most people can't see through this scam, right? They don't know who to trust. And I think this is a testament, not just to the bell curve that we were discussing yesterday, and some people aren't really that smart. Ah, George Carlin, take a look at the average person and they're not that smart, which means half the people out there are real effing idiots. Gotta love George. Uh, but not only that, not only the bell curve, but the power of propaganda to warp and distort reality uh, for anybody that's being targeted here, this is happening at a societal scale all around the world. 
People are being inundated with misinformation, fake information, false information, disinformation, malinformation, too much damn information, and the globalists know that. That's why by flooding the market, if you will, by flooding the minds of the masses with too much information, they can throw out the Trusted News Initiative and the fact checkers as the only solution. Which brings us back to the pressing question, who do you trust? It's an honest question. Friends, as you know, I do claim that the torch report is the truth you can trust, not because I ask you to take my word for anything, but because I conduct an insane amount of research just to satisfy my own craving of knowledge, to satiate my own sense of discernment, and then I, I share that research with you, I share my perspective with the listening, the astute listening audience here, and I, I present the facts so that you can check them for yourself. I trust your intelligence. I respect your intelligence. And at any point, I could be wrong. I know that. And of course, you know that. And if I'm wrong, I'd want you to tell me that I'm wrong, right? Because nobody wants to be wrong. And yet, even though everyone inherently believes that they're right, we just do. Otherwise, we wouldn't believe what we believe. The fact remains that not everybody gets to be right, which implies, of course, that many, many people are necessarily wrong. We could take any of the issues that are on the table today from societal issues uh, to scientific debate to the geopolitical happenings, all of that, and any of those issues, we would be able to find a plethora of reputable perspectives that present diametrically opposed perspectives, views, right? People, experts on both sides disagreeing with each other vehemently. Each side, of course, citing their own set of facts and both sides, of course, disparaging and dismissing any facts that are being presented against them. And this is human nature, is it not? So who do you trust, the experts on the left or the experts on the right? Friends, in my mind, when we ask the question, who do you trust? I think the only acceptable answer is that you must trust yourself. You must trust yourself. But that said, that's where it gets just a little bit tricky because trusting oneself is a double-edged sword. I mean, slicing one way, the arrogance blinds us to our own ignorance, right? I'm right because I believe I'm right. Damn it, I must be right. And of course, that's a flawed premise for obvious reasons. So when I'm suggesting that you trust yourself, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying just, you know, be smug in your own self-righteousness. No, 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 no. You know, because the sort of truth slices the other way as well. Uh, as well, It cuts down, slicing down toward the bone of discernment, where we expose ourselves to the vulnerability of being wrong. We must acknowledge the limitations of our own understanding. Nobody knows everything. There's always information that we don't know. And that helps us to invoke humility and question everything that we believe to be true. Is this true? Am I right? By what metric do I measure the accuracy of my own perception? How do I know? Luke, tell me, tell me now. <laughs> well, friends, to know for certain, to know for certain, we must make a very critical distinction kind of whittling away at the source of our thoughts, our beliefs, and our perspectives. Where did this thought of mine come from? Why do I believe the way that I do? You know, rest assured, of course, we all have our reasons. And these kinds of questions, you know, where did that thought come from? Why do I believe this? Those questions can, you know, they can lead into a downward spiral of sorts, a downward spiral of insecurity and self-doubt, or kind of oppositely, the, you know, those kind of questions can fuel a frenzy of rationalization and self-justification. And neither scenario 
is desirable. We don't want to go downward in a spiral of insecurity and, and second guessing ourselves. And we don't want to be so, you know, full of, you know, self-justification and rationalization that we can't see beyond the end of our nose. So both of those scenarios lead us further away from the truth and a deeper sense of knowing. And thus, we find the distinction must be made between these two kind of opposite situations. That we must make the distinction, the distinction that must be made, I should say, it lies somewhere in between, somewhere in the middle. So the question becomes, what stands between our self-doubt and our self-justification? Hmm. That's a pretty good question. I never thought about that before. <laughs> well, the answer to what stands between our self-doubt and our self-justification is our ego. Okay? That's just the way it is, you know? And in simplest terms, you might think of ego as the story that's in your head. Ego is what you think about yourself. Whether it's true or untrue, doesn't really matter. It's the story of what you think about yourself. It's this collection of thoughts rolling around in the gray matter uh, that that unfortunately has its mind of its uh, mind of its own. Right? The ego has its a mind of its own. Ego, being the mental construct of who you are, is very much concerned with its own survival. Ego is your self-identity, and anything that threatens your self-identity is instinctively perceived as a threat to your very existence. This is really important to understand. Threats to your ego are felt to be like threats to your survival. Oh my gosh, you know? And this, this of course, is perfectly natural. It's entirely normal, and it's wholly unavoidable human behavior. There's no point in trying to deny your ego because you can't stop having an ego. You cannot help but to have an ego because you are human. <laughs> this is a, a timeless fact, I believe, that we would all be wise to keep in mind. So the question we must ask here is whether it is our ego that believes itself to be right or whether our beliefs are based on something deeper, something more substantial yet altogether elusive. Is, is our belief based on the thoughts rolling around in our head or is our belief based on the discernment of our soul? Friends, there's a science to making this distinction. We're not going to be able to get into all of it today, uh, but I think it's kind of a lost art these days. I think the, the science of discernment, the art of discernment, has been largely obfuscated by technology. At the root of it all, at the root of the distinction between what we think and actual reality, we find the juxtaposition of our inner and outer worlds, right? We, we often think of reality in terms of the world that surrounds us, our external reality. But much less often do we contemplate the reality that exists within us, our internal reality. Both internal and external realities do in fact exist. Both internal and external realities are both directly observable and both internal and external realities must be considered when it comes to distinguishing fact from fiction and truth from falsehood. That's the way that it is. And of course, friends, I understand this may seem you know, wild. Look, what does this have to do with the politics? We'll get to it. Uh, this all may be very new to you, or maybe, you know, maybe you're already familiar with all this kind of stuff, but I think the experience, uh, I should say my experience and observation over a lifetime indicates that there are, are very, very few people who have grasped the profound importance of reconciling our internal and external realities. That's just kind of the way things are. So, we need to understand that doing so, making that distinction and reconciling between internal and external realities, that is the secret 
to unlocking personal discernment and our own deeper insights. It's only by reconciling these facets of reality, these fascinating facets of reality on a Philosophical Friday, that we can discern the difference between what we think and what is actually real. To kind of put it differently, friends, this is this is how we learn to distinguish between what our ego believes and what we know in our hearts to be true. Discernment is a function of spiritual awareness, not a function of the mind. Not, not knowing something, being unsure, not knowing, that's a head-level crisis. As our minds race to make sense of the overwhelming inputs, as, as the reams of information go reeling through our minds, our emotions become perturbed. And that further clouds our thinking and stress and confusion and a whole slew of psychotic manifestations are not far behind. Just look around. Now, in contrast to that, knowing something for sure, having certainty, that is a heart-level experience, not a head-level. Being unsure, confusion, not knowing, that's head-level. Knowing for sure and certainty, that's heart-level, okay? And I understand that that may come across as counterintuitive. And I want to see if we can kind of help the mind make sense of its own backseat role. (laughs) So if you're with me here, uh, let's see if we can do this, because... Logically speaking, it's true, we understand from science, that our heart is formed in the womb long before the brain. And thus, you have a heartbeat long before you ever have a thought. This is simple simple to understand. It's very important to grasp. As your body develops, as your nervous system is mystically being knit together, your heartbeat flutters and responds to the outside world. And of course, we have no recollection of this because we don't have have a brain yet, right? But this is an observable phenomenon. The heartbeat before the brain, uh, the heartbeat fluttering and responding to the outside world. The fetal heartbeat, uh, by the way, starts just three weeks after conception, while the brain is only formed around week eight of pregnancy. And of course, all the while, throughout the whole time, your inner awareness is ever-present. Your inner awareness is ever-present, friends. Try to let that sink in. It's really something. It's really profound. It's deep. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's fascinating. But your inner awareness really permeates every fiber and cell of your being. It exists whether you are aware of it or not, whether you, your mind is aware of it or not. Your inner awareness is what is orchestrating all of the divine chemistry that makes you a living, breathing human being. And just as sure as you are a walking, talking, infinitely unique, incredible cosmic creature, an infinitely unique individual, you do have inner awareness. It's just there. (laughs) Which, if you think about it, it's pretty cool, right? All the things that we don't have to think about that our inner awareness is just kind of managing for us. So, unfortunately, in adulthood, given the decades of our life experience and, of course, the heavy social conditioning that comes with that, many, many people, I believe, remain wholly unaware of their own inner awareness, let alone are they tuned into their own inner awareness. And this leads to a disassociation from the inner world. And that leads to a collapsing of self-identity into a two-dimensional understanding of self. I hope you're following me here. In practical terms, when, when somebody is disassociated from their inner world, from their inner awareness, then the self-identity collapses into a two-dimensional understanding of self. Individuals in that state perceive themselves to be a body and a mind. And perhaps out of ignorance, perhaps out of arrogance, many people in that camp deny 
the spiritual dimension of their own being and the world around them. Atheists fall squarely into that camp. Now, this is a sad state of existence because really it necessarily leads to missing out on all of the magical elements of life. And of course, <laughs> you're probably thinking, Luke, what the hell are you talking about, buddy? You're probably wondering what this has to do with politics, right? It has everything to do with politics. Friends, understanding these subtle nuances comes directly to bear on subconscious taming, on spiritual assassination, on defending ourselves against mental attacks. That is to say that the ego is the internal apparatus that is being exploited by the global cabal, and the brain is the biological access point that's allowing them to hack and enslave humanity, and it is the spirit within us that gives us the resources we need to, to cast off the shackles of this sort of mental slavery. So if we intend to free ourselves and our families and our friends and our communities from mental slavery, we must learn to apply these deeper truths. All other paths inevitably lead to endless political bickering, escalating social tensions, and of course the predictable collapse of society. So those people out there in the world who are insisting right now that we're living in a post-truth era, if we allow this to happen, they're going to continue to push their nonsense and the bulk of humanity is going to be continued to be deceived that they are nothing more than soulless, hackable animals whose sole existence is to, to live as servants to the state and sacrifice themselves for the sake of the greater good. Friends, today, uh, you know, I could have I talked about the political circus, but it just, it just felt shallow. You know, with all this other stuff going on, you know, as a result of, of the bulk of humanity being deceived, the globalists are going to win. You know, the masses will be assimilated into the cult of collective and humanity as a whole will be peacefully enslaved by machines if we don't realize what's going on. The ruling class will rule over the peasants with, a, with sophisticated algorithms. You know, the, the weaponized AI, the inescapable surveillance, and of course at that point, the remnant strains of rebel beings will either be eradicated or simply die out. And from that point forward, of course, humanity as we know it will, will simply cease to exist. At that point, from that point forward, only a trans, transhumanist hell, only shells of human beings will propagate forward forever under the watchful eye and the supreme authority of the state. Liberty will become a regulated commodity rather than a birthright. And humanity will collectively forget what it means to be free. Worse yet, friends, humanity will forget what it means to be human. <laughs> you know, that's why I think wisdom says we must do more than merely opine on all the charades. We must seek solutions. And I suggest that those solutions come from within. The solution to political chaos is an elevation of our inner spiritual awareness. This is where we find the discernment to know who do we trust. This is where we find the determination uh, to, to, to push forth, to determine which path to take and when to act boldly, and of course, most importantly, this is how we revive our indomitable spirit and our interminable will to resist and make no mistake, friends, resist we must. And as always, that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to thetorchreport.com and find that little heart. Click that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all would be if you, if you shared this with someone. Share this with someone who wants to have a deeper conversation than just a political circus. Share this with someone who's in 
interested in finding real tangible solutions that can make a profound impact, not just at the personal level, the local community level, but it, at, at the global level, at, at the scale of humanity as a whole, friends. When we, when we reclaim the fact that we are incredible cosmic creatures, that we're spiritual creatures, this is how we can uh, <laughs> resist with uh, all of our money. That said, friends, uh, get out there and embrace the rest of this fine, fabulous, fantastic Friday. Stay wise, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.